0: If you will, open up your Bibles to Ephesians. We live in a world that, that it's important to be busy. It's important to be doing something. But is it important to be good and doing stuff that has no eternal significance? You know, buying up opportunities, you know, in life. People do that. Oh, I can't miss this. It's a great sale. You know, I would have been at church. I would have prayed. But I had it was the movie release. You know, great great movie release. And I'm not for uh, opposed to sales and movie releases and stuff like that. But when he said here in Ephesians 5, and we'll look at this, it says, verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We looked in Colossians, it said Rede- redeeming the time. You know, talked about the days being evil, but it talked about really also went a step further concerning reaching the world and in front of the lost. And when we talked about this redeeming, it literally means to buy back from waste like it has in the Greek shelf life, like meaning like this. Like fruit has a season to be picked, and if you wait too long, then the fruit is worth nothing. In other words, you lost your opportunity. And there are some things in God that you can lose your opportunity Somebody said, no, that can't be true. Yeah, it is, because God can deal with us to reach somebody, and we go, nah, uh, later on, nah, later on, and then they die. Then that fruit that was trying, that, ne- that opportunity that needed to be seized, they're gone now. So that's, that, that opportunity is past. You understand what I'm saying? You could look at it in the big picture. You only have opportunities in the earth while you're alive then then that opportunity is gone. And so there are things we need to redeem or get a hold of them when the opportunity is there. And so, um, you know, you could say when you're in high school, you know, there are people after high school you'll never see again. As a matter of fact, a chunk of them, you'll never, maybe the majority of them, you'll never see again. So if you were in high school and God gave you an opportunity and dealt with you to reach people, but you didn't, or you did, you bought them back because you know that opportunity, you're not going to be around them again. How many people, you know, some of your, maybe your best friends, will be friends forever, you know, see you over the summer, and you, that's been a long summer, you haven't even seen them, (laughs) and you've been out of school for years, and so we talked about that, but in this progression, he said, in verse 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil, they're Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So God's will is, part of His will is to redeem the time. In other words, take the opportunities that He sets before you and do something appropriate with them when you have that opportunity. And then we can know God's will, but we're not going to stop there. Verse, Verse 17, He said, Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And, verse 18 starts with and, so this is something he wants for us. Now, remember this. This book right here was written to Christians. It was written to believers. Paul, This is a follow-up letter that Paul has written to them. As a matter of fact, there is another letter written to the Ephesians that the Lord gave to the Apostle John that you can read about in the book of Revelation. God followed up on this church and followed up on these believers. And this is one of the two letters. And here he said this in verse 18, And do not be drunk with wine. And a lot of people have pounded that, and that's okay, don't get drunk. But that's not what we're going to talk about. You know, I tell people this, a lot of the things in the world that the, that the people are pursuing after are just twists, bent realities that don't bring fulfillment. And if they knew the real side, they could get it and be fulfilled at the end of the day. Meaning this, he's, he didn't say just don't get drunk. He said there is an alternative that's better. What if you could have, you know, Like one time I was witnessing to some people who were partying and stuff, I said, what if you could have something that you could get so influenced, greater than what you're experiencing by smoking pot and drinking beer and doing drugs, tomorrow morning you wake up, you won't have cotton mouth, you won't have a headache, you won't feel horrible, your conscience won't burn you, you won't feel bad inside, but you'll wake up. And you'll be going, whew, this is good. And they're like, that would be good. I said, I have that. Because when you do it God's way, there is something that can get you high, so to speak, get you filled, do something in your life, and you wake up the next morning. Have you ever noticed in God, if you don't violate your conscience, you wake up the next morning, you're not, ugh. What in the world? You with me? And his blood washes us and keeps us clean and guilt-free. But right here, he gave the world what they were looking for. But you got to come into the kingdom to get this. We have something that we should not be ashamed of as believers. But many are embarrassed by this fact and like, well, we'll just hide this in the corner. no. Being filled with the Spirit, as he said here. Now, understand this. We pray for people, and that was God's power. That's the result of his power, that sometimes people fall, or what you sense in the atmosphere. That's God's power, his Spirit working. And he wrote here to these people, and he said, don't be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, whatever that means. It means excess. But, Be filled with the Spirit, or filled to overflowing. So he wrote to these believers and said, Hey guys, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. But what's interesting, this isn't the first time he ever ran into these people. As a matter of fact, Acts 19, turn there, and we'll look at the first time he ran into these guys. Because, you know, if you know Paul's life the one who wrote the book of Ephesians, the one who God used to write that, he traveled a lot and ministered to people and won people to the Lord. And it seems as though, as you read, he had some priorities in his reaching. In other words, the first thing he wanted was people, because he even said this, that God told him, I'm going to use you to turn people from the power of darkness to the power of God. From the devil's hand to God's power. From darkness to light. I'm going to use you to do that. Man, think about it. You know, we talk about people getting saved. What does that mean? Moving people out of the power of the devil under the power of God. Out from the kingdom of darkness. What is darkness? It's blindness. You can't see. You don't understand. To get people out of that kingdom and into the light. Well, what does light do? Well, the Bible said we're all that get saved are all children of the light. Man, that means you'll be able to see, you'll be able to understand. Darkness flees when we walk in the light. We're in a good place in God. He's paid for a lot for us. And so here, his first journey, he was, or his first time here, he said some, some things to these people at Ephesus. But what's interesting, his priority was after people got saved... And had given their lives to the Lord. And it seems this way through the book of Acts, the next thing they wanted was to make sure people were filled with the Spirit. If you were saved, he wanted them filled. And so let's read here in Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Now, what book were we reading? The book of Ephesians. What did he tell them? Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled or be being filled to the top and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And so here he he said he came to Ephesus and finding some disciples... These were people who were starting their journey with God. They were going somewhere with God. He didn't just go out and say to the lost people what he's about to say here. He found some disciples, so he asked these disciples, these believers, these people who knew about Jesus. He said to them, after he and finding some disciples, verse 2, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He didn't say, I'm so glad to see you're a believer. I'm a believer. Let's all get some hugs in here. Come on, gather around. We're gonna be hugging each other. He didn't do any of that. He said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Well, you didn't even ask me anything personal about my life, like how I'm doing. And some people would be offended. He's like, Man, this is important. I mean, it's important not to go to hell, right? So we want to tell people, but then the next thing is he noticed this is important too. This is the next important thing on the agenda. You with me? I mean, think about how important this is right here, that Jesus made this statement. He had 12 who were close to him that he trained for three and a half years. But there was another chunk of 70. And then there were others that weren't mentioned, but we know there were bunches of them he had trained. Because at certain times he sent 70 out. Another time he sent the 12 out. And other times there was reports that people were just doing the works that Jesus had commissioned the 70 and the 12 to do. Then, you know, he said, all right, guys, I've trained you for three and a half years. Think about it. What if you went to college and your professor was Jesus? For a two year college, a three year college, three and a half years. Part of it was teaching, part of it was lab. You know what I mean? That experimenting. Let's go out and cast out a devil. Let's calm the sea. See how that works? And then he rebuked him for not doing it. I mean, he's teaching him and training him for all these years, multiplying loaves and fish. He's talking about God's power. Then he's working it in front of him. I mean, this is pretty good class, you know. You first year? No, I'm third year student. Been with him the whole time. Three and a half years, he's getting ready to suffer and die. And then he dies. They're dismayed. He rises. He appears to him. And now you got to know he said, You know, I'm going to heaven. I'm, I'm out of here. They got to be feeling halfway good, I would think. We, we thought we blew it by following that guy. He died. Whoa, he rose. This is awesome. We got the goods. We're commissioned. We're going. Put their hands in, you know, like on a team break. Go, and that didn't happen. He put their hands in. He said, "Don't go." What? I, I mean, think about all that they saw. They've already seen him die. They saw him getting nailed to a cross and then appear. And then one of the guys who was still not in the best place after three and a half years training said, "Well, of Jesus, not me, him." So I just won't even believe unless I can see it, feel it, touch it. So Jesus got mad at him, slapped him twice. No. He said, all right, stick your hands in my... He said, no, I believe. He said, no, stick your hands, finger in my hands, then thrust your hand in my side. Come on. That's what happened because he got pierced with a sword. And he said, now, don't be faithless, Be believing. This has all occurred, and he said, you're not ready yet. You're not ready yet. I'm not. Now people are like, I'm not either. <laughs> no. No. There was one more thing they needed, and he said, you wait until you be endued with power from on high. He said, I'm going to heaven. He was going to pour out the Holy Spirit they were going to be filled with the spirit. So that's why I said the first thing is people got to come to the Lord. After people come to the Lord, he wants all believers filled with the spirit. In Acts 2, and we won't turn there 38 on, he said to these people, Peter did when he was preaching about this experience they had just had of being filled to overflowing with the spirit. He said this promises to you. To your children, as many be afar off, as many as the Lord our God would call. In other words, just for all time and all generations, this ain't just for us. This is for every believer. And he said, this is it. If it was important for Jesus to have his disciples, his closest followers, ones he personally trained, filled with the Spirit, on the first available opportunity they could be filled, that's important for us. Why would it be important for a believer to be filled with the Spirit and then maintain a Spirit-filled life? Because Jesus said, in my absence, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to do what I did when I was here, but He's going to do it individually with each one of you and through each one of you. So you better get to know Him. People, I don't understand that Holy Spirit and being filled with the Spirit. He takes the place of Jesus on the earth today. Jesus said that himself. That should be good enough for us. The one who demonstrated through Jesus was the Holy Spirit, and now he wants us to begin to be filled and get filled, and then stay filled, because in staying filled, you have to yield to the Holy Spirit. By praying in the Spirit, by speaking things in the Spirit, You know, by praying in tongues, by praising God. And we'll look at some of that probably later. But he wanted them to initially get filled with the Spirit. So this was an emphasis. As a matter of fact, the first time in Acts 10 that the Gentiles, meaning non-Jewish believers, heard the gospel and received the Lord had an opportunity. They were all immediately filled with the Spirit. And in Philip's ministry, when he went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them, he went down there and it said the whole city turned to the Lord. And do you know what happened? As soon as the church, the elders in Jerusalem heard, it said they sent two of these huge pillars, these people that had traveled and been with Jesus, Peter and John. They sent them down so that they might lay their hands on them so that they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. For he had fallen on none of them, the Bible said, yet. But they were all saved. And the Bible said they had great joy. And so people can be saved and have great joy. But they need to be filled with the Spirit. It was so important that they sent two of the main pillars, two of the authors of the New Testament, down to this group of people so that they could be filled with the Spirit. And so here we are with Paul. He's met these people he, he wrote to them and said, be filled with the Spirit. But his first initial time was right here when he said, in verse 2, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now here's a question. If, it's automa- if this is automatic, you would never ask this question. You would never ask this question. If it was automatic, especially somebody who God used to write two-thirds of the New Testament to pen it, to say, to ask these people, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? If it was automatic that you were filled with the Spirit when you got saved, then then the then they would have never sent Peter and John down. In the book of Acts in the eighth chapter, after they heard the whole city had turned to the Lord and there was great joy in in that city of Samaria after Philip had preached, they would have just said, Well, they've got all they can get. But it said they went down and laid their hands on him that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, when a person gets saved, the Spirit of God does come to live in them, but there's a difference between having the Spirit and being filled to overflowing. There is a vast difference. Jesus knew that. You know, if you go read John 20, Jesus breathed into the disciples It said the Holy Spirit. But then right after that, he said, Now wait till you're endued with power. From on high. And then he told them in Acts 1.8. You'll receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. They waited. And then in the second chapter of Acts. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And they were all filled with the Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Somebody said I don't understand the purpose of it. The primary. Not the only thing. The primary thing. Is the receiving of power. The infilling of the Spirit. And then giving you An outflow by which when you speak, the primary thing is speaking in an unknown tongue to God. It is a way to pray out mysteries. It is a way, the Bible said, to to, uh, build yourself up. And then praying in the Spirit is a way to yield beyond your head. Because the Bible said your mind is unfruitful. It comes up out of your spirit where God lives. And it helps you to yield beyond your mind. People can get so educated in their mind, they'll talk themselves out of many things. Oh, I should witness to that person. I think the Lord was dealing with me. You ever thought, man, I need to talk to so-and-so. I was going to call them. And then you're like, nah, I don't want to be a pest. I don't want to bother them. you know. And then, then you run into some other people, and they're like, you know what, so-and-so, I was praying for the other day. I, I, I felt like I should call them. And then you're like, oh, I thought that was just my head. I was doing the same thing. But people need to recognize there is one greater than your head. And he can live inside of you. And there is knowledge beyond your head, though your head can be enlightened through knowledge by him. And you can become real sharp and have really good understanding because of him. And so... The one who taught the disciples, the one who comforted the disciples, Jesus did all these things for the disciples, now the Holy Spirit's supposed to do in his absence. And so here it says, and when he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? The question is, is it automatic when you get saved? No, not if these people are asking this. You get the Spirit. But being filled to overflowing is another program. If it was important for Jesus to emphasize it, important in Peter's ministry to minister to people, and then the Gentiles when they came in, you know, Acts 8, then in Acts 10, same type of thing. And here we see it in Acts 19. And you understand, this is just a small little swatch out of the life of the early church. And so if you see healing two or three times here, but you see people being filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit through the whole thing, and you see angels appearing and you see different things occurring, but this keeps going bam, bam, bam again in this small little thing, then you know these weren't the only accounts. Just because it only tells a few times angels appeared and buildings shook with the power of God and these different things happened doesn't mean that was all of them. These are just a small account of them. We know that from the Bible. John, when he wrote his book, he said, listen, I wrote these things in this book so you might believe. He said, but if I could And I had the ability, he said, I don't even know if all the books in the world would hold all the miracles that Jesus performed. Think about, that's where they were trained, and he still said, you need power. And so there was more than this happening, but if it's being emphasized like this, then it's got to be important. Would you agree? Or maybe I just, you know, uh, I don't know. No, this is important. And so he said, did you receive when you believed? I mean, that's the closest time to getting filled. You can get filled. The minute you get saved, you can get filled. You don't have to wait. I remember I got saved or rededicated my life on September 10th, 1985. There was something in me that kept going, there's more. But I was so satisfied. But I was like, there's more. But I was so satisfied. But I was like, there is more. And a friend of mine invited me to this church that believed in speaking in tongues. I didn't know. But I was sitting in this denominational church, and they had something. But I was like, this is just not getting it. it there's just, there's, I know there's got to be more, but this isn't bad, but this ain't getting it. And so finally I relented, though I didn't want to leave. I went, all right, I'm going to go to your church. It wasn't as big as the church I was in at that time. And I remember going in there thinking, this is, whoa. You know, people are raising their hand and they're crying and carrying. I was like, whoa. You know, I mean, this is like, you know, somebody who's been, never been in a wild bar or something like that down in the south walking in for the first time. And And I'm like, but this church. I'm like, whoa. I remember leaving that day. You know, I never saw the exorcist, but I heard her head turned around and spun. I might have looked like that. You know, spinning. I was like, what in the world is happening? My head was just, whoa. And I walked out that day, and I went, surely I have seen strange things today. <laughs> but you know what happened when I left? I went... I don't know what just exactly happened in there because they'd sing a song, We Bow Before You, and people would bow down, get on their knees and lift their hands, start crying. I'm like, okay. And that didn't happen at the Baptist church. You know, and they're just going on and these different things. And I was like, huh. And I remember leaving going, I don't know exactly what happened, but I know something happened that that power i was looking for was magnified 10 times it's the same but just more of the same and i went this is what i'm looking for but i didn't know it was coming in this package <clears throat> now i literally was like huh so I went back the next week. I don't know that I ever went back to that other church again. As a matter of fact, I don't. if I went back one time, maybe. But I never after that ever went back again. And uh, I kept coming back and realizing, man, these people love God. And they love the Word of God. They love the Bible. I love the Word of God. They talk about speaking in tongues and all, being filled with the Spirit. And I'm like, this is... I remember when the... A friend of mine's like, you got to get filled with the spirit. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm open for this. Now it's been a few weeks at that one church and now I'm there for two or three weeks. And, and, uh, that pastor was in the office and it was my guy I worked with and we happened to be going in the same vehicle this day. And so he just said, he said, why don't we just go by his office and he could just pray for you and be filled with the spirit. And I was kind of in a cloud anyway with my whole life. It was just happening all so fast. You know, you ever done a bunch of stuff and then all of a sudden you get down the road and you're like, what did I just, I just did all that. And that was just kind of how it was, you know, you're just plowing through stuff. I remember going into his office and the pastor was like, yeah, I'll see you. He wants to be filled with the Spirit. I even think we went to the side door, the back door, or whatever, knocked on his door. He's like, hey, he wants to be filled. He's all, all right, come on in, you know. So we sit down in there, and he starts talking to me about this. I don't know exactly what in the world he said. I just remember him praying for me and being filled with the Spirit. And I just remember he said, now, now, don't let this be the last time you can pray this way in tongues. Because, you know, I started praying in tongues. He said, you can pray this way anytime. so start practicing. So I'm like, okay, all right. Now, I ain't doing this in front of people. I recognize that would not be intelligent. So... I remember we left, and we drove down the street, and we'd gone about two miles, and we were getting ready to get on the freeway. I thought, okay, uh, I'll do that again. He said, just start practicing this, you know, throughout the day. So under my breath, I just started praying in tongues again. And at first, it was a little sketchy, you know, I felt like, because, you know, your head's like, this is new. And then it just started flowing. I was like, "Hey, hey, here we go. Uh, stop, start, stop, start, you know, testing the brakes. I can do this. And I'm thinking, hey, all right, power. And I'm like, this is that power that I was experiencing. This is the Holy Spirit. And that was the beginning. And so Paul knew this was super important, and there are people out there who are hungry. You with me? So notice this. We're going to get past verse 2, I guarantee serious and he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believed so they said we have not so much as heard whether there is a holy spirit wow they hadn't even heard they heard about jesus but notice verse three and he said to them now this is like a curious factor." He said, and he said to them into what then were you baptized in other words How in the world did you get baptized and not hear about the Holy Spirit? That's a good question. Because if you baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the... Then you would have heard about the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you? Because if you've never heard and none of them heard, I mean, by chance, they baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there was a group of them. Maybe one of them didn't hear... But the rest would have, because you could say in the name of the Father and the Son, and you dunk them, and right when they're underwater, you say Holy Spirit, and you pull them back up. They didn't hear. We only heard of the Father and the Son. But the others on the banks would have heard at least and said, Oh, what's this Holy Spirit business? At least they would have said, They could have said, Well, we heard about him. When we were getting baptized, I mean, I didn't personally. They told me when I went underwater, he said Holy Spirit. But when I was watching other people, when they went under, he said Holy Spirit. So I assumed. And so, but that's all we know. But that's not what they said. He said, We haven't even heard. It. He said, What were you baptized? And they said in verse three, and they said to them, Into. Uh, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Now, John, they were still baptizing people in an old baptism that was obsolete now. Because John's baptism was a baptism waiting for the coming of Jesus. That baptism, we don't baptize that way anymore. Now, we still baptize in water, but we baptize not on the commission the way he did it, we do it the way that the Lord commanded. And so, and he said to them, Uh, verse 4, Then Paul said to them, or said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, on the Christ. In other words, he was baptizing, and he said, repent, get ready. Jesus, they didn't know him as Jesus, they just knew him as the Christ Christ. The Savior of the world is coming. Get ready. It's quick. It's almost upon you. Get ready. It's almost upon you. Prepare yourself. Straighten up your life. The Savior of the world is coming. Get ready. And he's baptizing people in water. And he said, when he comes, you must believe on him. When he comes, you must believe on him. That's what he was saying. This is the baptism. There's about to be a change of order. There's about to be a change of how we do things. And so I'm going to get you ready for what's on the horizon and what is on the horizon is the Savior is coming. So what you need to do is change, get ready, and when He comes, believe. Well, He's already come. They've already believed. They're still baptizing that way. That's done. It's gone. He's already here. Now you just believe. You hear the good news. And so it says... When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And notice this, and when, or in the authority of the name, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Who spoke? They did. Who laid hands on? Paul did. The Holy Spirit filled them. They spoke. They let this flow. They did the speaking, not the Holy Spirit. He gave the utterance, he did the infilling. But what's interesting is they, all of a sudden, there was a, they prophesied too. These other gifts of the Spirit started operating because they're all connected. It is the doorway into the supernatural. Turn back to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. And so here he said this. He's already met these people. Now they're filled. They've been filled. We know they were filled. Right? We saw it. So writing to these people, he makes this statement in verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine. Don't get overly filled with anything. Food, TV, anything. Don't get overly filled with too, uh, too much of anything. That would be called an idol. He said, but... He didn't just leave him. He said, but there is an alternative. Be filled to overflowing with the spirit so these people we know had been filled and he wanted them to stay filled somebody said did the holy spirit leak out nope he's in you just as much as he was in his power from the day you got filled if you were filled if you haven't been filled you can be filled it's not a hard thing you don't have to beg nowhere in the new testament did they beg oh god Oh, God, this, is gonna, this one's going to be a tough one. Oh, There's a tough one right here, Lord. This is a toughie. No, there aren't any tough ones like that with God. He can fill them all the same. He'll, his power just go right in you. You just got to speak. You could ask, and he'd fill you if you're saved, and then you just begin to act and speak, and he'll give you the utterance. But why did he tell these people to be filled after they were filled. It's not a typo. If I have an oil field and I've got oil under the ground, that oil doesn't do me a ton of good until it's flowing out of the ground, right? I can tell people I'm rich. But how rich really am I? I mean, I could be going into debt all the time, just going into debt. going into debt, getting worse off in debt, getting more under the load of life. And I could say, I'm rich. I'm rich. Well, I need to then tap that oil source, get it out here, trade it in for something that I can exchange and pay off my debt. Right? I need to get that flow flowing would you agree? Beverly Hillbillies were rich. They didn't even know it. Tell they Uncle Jed was out shooting some raccoons, he called them coon, and he shot a bad shot and up out of the ground came what they called bubbling crude. It was Texas tea. Black gold. We would call it oil. Right? Somebody's like, I don't even know what in the world he's talking about. This is not funny. It's an introduction to an old show where these hillbillies were on land with major, major resources. They were not tapping. It was there he said, you need to tap this. If you're going to live this life in power, you have to stay tapped. You can't just say, I was filled with the Holy Spirit 25 years ago, or two years ago, or 10 years ago, but not do the things to keep that flow. Because remember, he said, out of you would flow rivers of living water. Thus, he spoke of the Holy Spirit. But if those rivers are not flowing, then guess what? The ground's drying. I'm not saturated. The atmosphere is not saturated. I'm not practicing yielding to Him. I'm learning just to, just to operate out of my mind. And the Bible said, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding.